We are well on our way to the 2024 election, and you know what that means. COVID and BLM will make their convenient and triumphant comeback. I've got Dr. Marty McCary on deck with the truth the social media corona bros don't want you to hear. The show starts now. Well, friends, it's that time of year again, and no, I'm not talking about autumn. I'm talking about COVID fear porn season. COVID is a virus so remarkable, it resurfaces with real gusto right around election time and mail-in ballot season. Go figure. It's also so remarkable that it manages to go dormant when the BLMers need to loot, riot, march, and get a head start on holiday shopping with that five-finger discount. You know, those masks also come in handy for those justice smashing grabs wherein thugs steal bread and milk for their families. Oh, wait, just kidding. They steal racks full of designer clothes and handbags. My bad. Still for justice, though, I suppose. BLM will make its comeback ahead of the 2024 election, just as it did in 2016 and just as it did in 2020. The Democrats need a race war and BLM surrogates need funding to upgrade their mansions. But BLM alone won't do it. The left also needs another public health emergency. The wheels of COVID tyranny have already begun turning with celebrities and even our own first lady coming down with it for a second time. She is double vaxxed and boosted all the way up, but it's still got her. Again, go figure. But old Jill isn't the only notable person to come down with the vid. The ladies of The View are down a witch this week. Um, as you can see, Whoopi is not here. She has COVID. Yes, it's back. It's back. It's back. But she's on the men. She's on the tail end, and she'll probably be back this week. But I'm sorry she's not here. For those of you who are looking forward to seeing her. Well, if Dr. Joy Behar says COVID is back, then it must be back, baby. You know, they are laying this groundwork now. I was in New York City over the weekend, and the maskers were out in force on the streets and, of course, in the airports. You know, I used to feel badly for these poor sheeple, sheep people, but not anymore. Not when I'm already hearing folks proclaim we all need to mask to protect others so not as to be selfish. I would hope that if, in fact, we get to the point where the volume of cases is such and organizations like the CDC recommend, CDC doesn't mandate anything, I mean, recommends that people wear masks, I would hope that they abide by the recommendation and take into account the risk to themselves and to their families. Yeah, I, will, I for one will not stop pointing out the ridiculousness of masks. I don't care if it hurts your feelings because these COVIDians are trying to recondition us to get back to mandates, lockdowns, and the hysteria that brought on all the government control in 2020 through 2022. And I will not sit idly by and coddle that or any of it. This time we're actually going to follow the science, not the political science, the actual science. Joining me now to help us do just that is COVID expert and Johns Hopkins School of Medicine professor, Dr. Marty McCary, who we go to for all of the truth on COVID. Now, I didn't think we might have to have you back because I thought maybe people were finally <laughs> going to let COVID go, but we got an election coming up. So COVID is back. There are certain schools around the country that are putting masks back on on young kids. You know, we've got Fauci, who I thought retired, but apparently still loves the limelight, saying, you know, if the CDC recommends it, he hopes that people will comply. But we've got studies that they actually brought to his front steps saying, listen, they don't work. You've told me they don't work. Are we ever going to go back there again where the prevailing scientific narrative is mask up? 
Well, it's amazing to me how people are ignoring the good studies that have been done on the largest public health interventions in modern history, masking, masking kids, closing schools, multiple boosters. And we have tons of data. The really good studies have been done. The problem is for some of these folks like Dr. Fauci, the results are coming out in a way they just don't like the results. And so they're rewriting history. They're trying to downplay and ignore these big studies. One of them was a giant analysis by the most authoritative body in all of medicine called the Cochrane Organization. As long as I've been a doctor, when the Cochrane Organization does a review and they make a conclusion, that becomes the gold standard. Except this time they didn't like the results. And so now you're seeing that, why are we even doing science if we're not gonna look at the results, right? Why are we even doing trials? Why do we even have an FDA? I mean, if the new way of doing things is Dr. Fauci can feel in his gut that we should do something or the White House announces something with no human data, I mean, this is really making a mockery of the scientific and regulatory process. I'm also wondering, because there have been reports that COVID is on the rise again. There are some hospitalizations. People are getting COVID again. For some people, it's more problematic than for others. But I can't help but to be also skeptical of some of the numbers when they say COVID is on the rise, because we know the first go around, they were calling this, that, and the other COVID. I mean, someone would die from a shark attack, and it must have been COVID. So am I right to be a little skeptical of these numbers coming out about COVID? Are they just over-testing people, perhaps? What is the real brass tax on this? Well, one litmus test as to whether or not you're talking to someone who is blindly showing allegiance to some political narrative versus being objective scientifically is whether or not they cite the current COVID statistics, the hospitalization numbers, the death numbers. We know those are massively overinflated. Now, people die of COVID, they die of rhinovirus and every other common illness, respiratory seasonal virus. But when they tell you that 6,000 people are in the hospital with COVID, as if 6,000 people are in the hospital for COVID, yeah. you know you're not dealing with a, you're, you've got a broken compass. It's like watching a sporting game when the scoreboard is all malfunctioned. You don't know what the real score is. So that is an indicator as to whether or not somebody's actually being honest or not. So yes, COVID is on the increase along with every seasonal virus, and it's gonna be on the increase every year at a certain point in the year, mm -hmm. maybe earlier in the summer in the south where people move into air conditioning, maybe in the winter in the north, but you're gonna see COVID bump every year. If you freak out and ignore all the evidence and go back to these tools that don't work, you're gonna just be creating a lot of strife and putting a lot of kids in profound social isolation, covering their faces, hurting businesses, um, it, to me, it's just amazing that people don't want to look at the actual data on whether or not what they do works. I wish masks worked. Masks worked. I would really wish they did. I'd love to give somebody something that they can do to really reduce their COVID risk. But the science and the studies and the research are conclusive. It is a settled science. You cannot outrun this lion. Your only option is profound social isolation, which has medical harms. Well, even more than that, you said, you know, you wish that there could be a solution. I'm not hearing them talk about eating healthy 
exercising, yeah. things that would just naturally reduce your risk for anything. I'm just hearing them talk about the fear tactics of put the mask on and, and get the vaccine again. I mean, we got Jill Biden, COVID for a second time, boosted, vaxxed. I mean, how many shots are these people going to get? I heard you say it the other day on Fox News, but I think it's important to note, you know, if I had a, a pet and I gave it five rabies shots and it kept getting rabies, I, I probably would be a little skeptical of that vaccine. But now they're saying, well, we're going to develop a new vaccine or there is a new vaccine and this one's going to work for this variant. How skeptical should we be of whatever COVID vaccine they roll out with next? I think it's very reasonable for people to say they'd like to see the study. They'd like to see the trial that shows that something works before it gets pushed on them. The the CDC is scheduled to meet September 12th. And on that, at that meeting, they're going to recommend a novel new COVID vaccine for 300 million Americans, everybody 12 years and up, regardless if you had COVID three months ago, regardless if you um, are ultra low risk, even though there's no human trials, there's no human outcomes data, that just obey, just take it. And I think it's reasonable for people to say, look, I'd like to see a trial, can Pfizer, do a trial like we do with every other medication. If you want something approved by the FDA, you have to show us a trial that it works. Pfizer made $100 billion during the pandemic. They can afford to do a quick trial. And I just don't like our new regulatory process of some, some cozy relationship is, is there between Pfizer and Moderna in the White House. I mean, you had Biden announcing this new vaccine worked when we have zero human data. You have Karine Jean-Pierre saying it works from the White House press office, zero human data. I mean, that's technically misinformation that they're spreading. Technically, it's 100% misinformation. I wanna point you to a graphic that's been going around on social media. I think some people might've missed it, but it's been blown up so we can see it. Let's take a look at this. So this is from the CDC. And if you look at that screen, I think you can see it too. We, we blew up the part where I think is interesting. That may be more capable of causing infection in people who have previously had COVID-19 or have received COVID-19 vaccinations. So basically, the, that current risk assessment was saying, if you've already had the COVID vaccine, you might have more of a risk of getting COVID. What does that mean? And does that mean what it sounds like it means? Look, if you've had the COVID shot or had COVID, you're still at risk of tripping and falling. And it doesn't mean that you're at increased risk of tripping and falling. It means that the COVID vaccines are not going to protect you from tripping and falling. We've got a new mild virus called BA196 or Parola. It's circulating in at least five states. It's been identified in seven countries. So we think it's common, it's out there. We're not sure if it's gonna be the dominant variant, but if it is, the vaccine they're pushing, at least the Pfizer one that was tested, had no neutralizing antibodies to this new strain. So what are we gonna do, just pump everybody with vaccines? Do we take a five-year-old girl and give her 100 COVID shots in her average lifespan? That's what they wanna do. Doesn't matter if there's, we don't need clinical trial data, just pump them in. It, I'd love for it to work. It's just show us it works. And then the last time they tried this with the bivalent COVID booster last fall, only 17% of Americans said yes to it. And some of those were right. forced to. Right. So how many people really chose to do it? America is basically saying, no, we will not take novel vaccines and, and, and medications without some human clinical data I think that's a very reasonable request.
So the last thing I want to talk to you about is, of course, what they don't want us talking about, and that's vaccine side effects. So we have, and it could just be that we're paying more attention to it, I think not, but maybe, where we have so-and-so 30 years old died suddenly, such-and-such -such athlete 18 years old died suddenly, or went into cardiac arrest, or had a heart failure. I mean, it feels like there's a giant uptick in this and people that normally wouldn't experience these symptoms. How confident are you that vaccines, the COVID vaccine in particular, could have contributed to some of this we're seeing? Oh, definitely. Well, look, we know the White House was emailing Facebook to take down true stories of vaccine complications. So we have a distorted perception of the safety. I'm not suggesting half of the people who take the COVID vaccine are going to be messed up or, or significant number are dying from the COVID vaccine. What I'm saying is, if you look at the data, one in 556 doses results in a severe adverse reaction. That could be a pulmonary embolus, could be a heart attack, could be myocarditis. That's the Freeman study that was published in the journal Vaccine. One in 5,000 vaccine doses resulted in a serious adverse event. That was the Paul Ehrlich Institute study out of Germany. We know the CDC's got 1.6 million vaccine complications in their VAERS database. They're not looking in there. They don't want to look. Hey, if you look in there, you might find something that could result in, quote unquote, vaccine hesitant content. They don't want anyone to do that. So all we're saying is, look, when you take someone who is at virtually no risk, we don't know if any young, healthy teenager has ever died of COVID. Why are we pushing a vaccine that has a one in 3000 risk of myocarditis in young, healthy males? I'll see a pediatrician. And if I just want to, you know, probe them a little bit, I'll say, you recommend the COVID vaccine for young, healthy children? And they'll say, sometimes they'll say, you know, I've thought about this and I've read the studies, but other times they're just saying, the American Academy of Pediatrics guidelines state, well, you have a brain, you went to med school, yeah. you can, this is not memorize, regurgitate for the exam like in med school. And then I'll ask them, what if they had COVID? What, what do you believe to be the rate of myocarditis after the vaccine? Oh, I think it's very, very low. One in 3,000 young males. That study was in JAMA Cardiology. So we have now a new era in medicine. We've never seen this milestone where if you disagree with the consensus, you've got to block that, the censor it, misinformation, downplay. Don't invite those doctors to the conversation. Right. And the consensus gets it wrong in medicine. Opioids are not addictive. For 30 years, the medical establishment said that. For 50 years, they said saturated fat doesn't cause heart disease. Now <laughs> it's been disproven. Like they thought cigarettes weren't bad for you for 25 years. So if we're just going to go with the group think, you, you, we're completely making a mockery of the scientific process. Are we at a point now where the scientific community and the political community are so intertwined that it is about the bottom dollar and it is about the narrative more than science? Because that's what it feels like. It feels like whoever's going to make a lot of money, whoever's going to be able to score political points, that's the narrative we go with. But do you think that that has infected medicine maybe irreversibly at this point where they are so intertwined that it's going to be impossible to separate the two if there's even a will to do that? It is intertwined. And if you look at this sort of giant decades long mistakes of modern medicine, you know, kids should not be around peanuts. Don't feed your kids, feed your kids peanuts because it could cause peanut allergies. They got it backwards. Avoiding peanuts in the early years causes these severe peanut reactions that we see. So if you look at the common threads, what we see, and again, opioids, not addictive, fat doesn't cause, uh, causes heart disease, all of those giant errors 
it's bad science and early on or just dogma, no science. It's the professional medical associations feel like they got to say something, so we're just going to decree. Anyone who brings another point of view is sidelined. The industry drives it, as we've seen with Pfizer and Moderna, and it's just those two companies for some reason. It's not Oxford, AstraZeneca. Their vaccine's never been approved in the U.S. How does that, what favoritism are we giving to Pfizer and Moderna? Right. A billion people got the Oxford, AstraZeneca vaccine, never approved in the U.S. Covaxin, never approved in the U.S. It's very odd what's happening, but the industry has a big say in it. And then what happens is, could be 10 years, 20 years into it, 30 years into the opioid epidemic, somebody says, hey, no, wait a minute. One in 13 people that takes opioids after surgery are addicted in a very dangerous way. And some hero comes along and actually shows that science. And we just had that happen with the Cochrane Review on masks. They don't work. I'd love for them to work. It showed they don't work. We just had that happen with school closure data. And yet we're seeing people ignore science that they don't like and point to science that they do like in order to get their partisan agenda. Ask the CDC, where's the data to support community masking? They'll point you to a study of hairdressers in Maricopa County that's <laughs> been debunked and a Boston school study in the New England Journal of Medicine that when Tracy Beth Hogue redid the analysis using all the schools and not cherry pick the schools, it had the opposite result, no right. impact. So last thing I wanna ask you about, cause there's a lot of people right now that are skeptical of just medicine and, and healthcare in general because of what yeah. they experienced with COVID. And there's a lot of parents out there, especially young parents that are so worried about the COVID vaccine and feel like they've been so lied to about that vaccine that they're choosing not to vaccinate their kids with anything. So I wanna to get to the bottom of this. I have a lot of friends with young kids that are saying, I'm not doing any vaccines. From your perspective, what vaccines would you recommend for parents to give their kids? You recommend they get, do them all at once. There's so many competing narratives, and it's really hard to find somebody who will give it to you straight and give us the answer that medical professionals actually believe in and are not told to believe in. Well, it's really disappointing to hear that that's a perception out there, but I understand where people are coming from. They have been lied to, and there's been a lot of misinformation spread by the CDC but the MMR vaccine is a valuable uh, vaccine. The DTP vaccine is important. I think it's important for people to be vaccinated against hepatitis, maybe not as early as is recommended for everybody. The COVID vaccine, you need to customize it unless if the kid is high risk, has lymphoma, immunosuppressed, then maybe, and you spread them out more than the three or four weeks, you don't give them myocarditis with such a tight vaccine interval. That was never appropriate. But the flu shot is a good match this year, and I want people to get it because it may work up to 50% of the time. And although it just downgrades an already mild infection for most people, it could generally help on a population level. It's not a miracle drug, the flu shot, but generally it's variable year by year, and this year it's pretty good. So I do recommend it. And you know what? If somebody doesn't want to do it, the flu shot, because they feel they've been lied to, our job as doctors is to listen to them, not to ridicule the vitriol, the anger that we've seen towards the unvaccinated, towards the unmasked, right. and no anger whatsoever to the scientists that brewed this up in the lab. You know, this entire pandemic was avoidable. Or the doctors that funded it or covered up the lab leak. Uh, absolutely no hard feelings towards them. That's the great irony.
Dr. McCary, while I have you in Nashville, I have to ask you about one more thing, and it's not related to COVID, and it's not related to anything like this. It's actually a new craze, a new shot that a lot of people are really loving in Hollywood right now, and it's called semaglutide yeah. or Ozempic. So as long as I have you here, I don't get you in Nashville very often. Give me your read on this. Is it safe? Should people be using it to the extent that they are? What do you see down the road as being an issue or no issue at all? Look, I'll be very honest. The drug works, and that whole class of drug works. They're imitating internal appetite hormones that are going to suppress the appetite, slow down GI motility. And we've seen great results. You know, being significantly overweight is a recipe for disaster with long-term health. So it may avert some of those problems long-term. The real issue is that we can't medicate everyone in America. We're moving towards an era where every 18-year-old is on six medications. Right. And we've got to deal with the underlying problems because when you come off the semiglutide or Ozempic, Rebelsis, Wagovi, you name it, you're going to go right back to where you were unless there was some actual change in your lifestyle. And I do worry about the moral hazard. All of a sudden, you got a pill, you got an injection. Now people are lining up at the donut place for lunch, dinner, and breakfast, and people tend to see their health as their figure. That's not true. Right. It's in part your figure, but it's in part your physiology, and those drugs may make your figure look good, but it may not be great for your physiology long term. So what do you say to people that are not obese, people that are just, they just want to be skinnier? I mean, every housewife on Bravo is pretty much on these shots. Is that going to be a risk to their health if they're on it? Maybe not for the rest of their lives, but they're on it for a year or two years because they, they were already thin, but they want to be thinner. Is that possibly an issue? I don't think they're introducing real safety risks to their lives. What they're doing is taking away an important medication for a problem that disproportionately affects poor and, and minority communities and they're inserting themselves in the line to get those medicines that are in short supply, taking it away from the demand that we have in the hospital for people who are ideal candidates. So for all the talk of health equity and right. uh, other issues where you know we support health equity, they're basically inserting themselves in line, stealing a medication from communities who badly need it for improved health outcomes, in order to look five pounds lighter. You can't even get these medicines sometimes because Hollywood, I think, has you know 50% of it. Yeah. And then South Florida probably has another 30%. <laughs> we call that area Silicon Valley in, in surgery. Yes. The Miami to Palm Beach corridor. Yes. Well, thank you for covering all the issues. I'm so happy when I get you in Nashville. And everything will probably be censored except for the semiglutide talk. So <laughs> at least we got that in there. Dr. McCary, thank you as always for giving us the truth with no BS. Please come back and see us soon. All right, up next, from viral lunacy on to more viral lunacy. This video from a 29-year-old husbandless, childless influencer has gone viral on social media and has drawn the ire of prominent male blue-check social media users such as Matt Walsh. Is this woman a girl boss or a cautionary tale of feminism gone awry? Here's what your Saturday morning looks like when you're single at 29 and you don't have a kid running around the house. I didn't rise from my bed until 10.15. Every time I thought, I should probably get up and do something. I thought, why? Nobody's making me. I'm not missing out on anything. I went to Beyonce last night and I didn't get home until 1 a.m. And I danced and drank my little heart out and I didn't pay a babysitter to watch my kids as I did that. And I was just scrolling on my phone and I saw a picture of Shakshuka and I thought, you know what sounds really good? 
maybe I'm gonna learn how to make shakshuka today. Cause I have no plans and I don't have kids and I don't have a husband and I don't have errands to run. I say all this to say, whenever I'm hard on myself about why I'm not married and I don't have kids and I should be further along at 29, almost 30, I wouldn't wanna do anything else this Saturday. And I know that you can do all these things when you have kids and you're married and I understand, but the effortlessness and ease of my life, just kind of focusing on myself and the shakshuka I wanna make or the Beyonce concert I wanna to go to really pays off when I'm hard on myself for not being where society tells me I should be in life. All right, so I, for one, don't think there's anything wrong with being unmarried and childless. That's a personal choice, whatever. It's the bragging about it on TikTok that's giving desperate and maybe a little pathetic to me. But here with her take as host of Outkick the Morning, Charlie Arnold. Charlie, it's great to see you. Good to see you, too. And I actually totally agree with your take. I don't think it has anything to do with the fact that she's living life. You know, she wants to make some shakshuka on a Sunday morning, although I'm sure she totally regrets this new recipe that she's, you know, going out on a limb to try and uh, learn how to make because I think she's forever going to be haunted when she takes a bite of shakshuka, knowing how much shame she has gotten from the Internet. Um, but yeah, I think it's more just about the way that she presented the argument about, you know, I'm better off in this situation versus if I were to have kids and a husband and a family, uh, because I'm sure that there are a lot of people in that situation who think that they have the better um, situation in life. And, and you know what, just from someone who does not have yet a husband and kids and wishes they had a husband and kids, I can't say I agree with her much. Uh, you can borrow mine for a while. I have no kids, I but I have them. a husband. Um, <laughs> but anyway, I want to play devil's advocate here because I agree with you, right? So I think bragging about being childless and all this, you know, it's giving like annoying feminists to me a little bit. But I do want to play devil's advocate a little bit and get your take on it because I can't help but think if this were a 29-year-old man bragging about not having a wife and not having kids and going to play golf all day, I don't think we would bat an eyelash at it. I think it would just be looked at as normal. And I quite frankly don't think that a lot of 29-year-old men should be married and have kids because I don't think they mature until at least age 31. But what do you think? Do you think that there's an unfair double standard being applied to this young lady? Yeah, I think that there is a little bit. I mean, I think the fact of the matter is, and I know that the age, you know, it has gotten, we've gotten, age goes up, you know, whereas back in the day, uh, women were getting married sooner. They're having kids sooner. I know that that age continues to increase. And I have a feeling that we haven't even seen that stop at this point. Um, but I do still think that it's a little bit of a, you know, unfair judgment on her behalf because she is still only 29. And I'm sure that, I mean, I'm assuming, I don't know everything about her, that she has a full-time job that, you know, she's probably paying for the roof over her head. Um, she's not just some complete degenerate who's like selling her body on OnlyFans, like <laughs> camping out on friends' couches, like from weekend to weekend. Like she seems like, you know, a pretty average, normal girl um, who's just like looking to have a little bit of fun over the weekend. So, yeah, I think that the shaming probably went a little bit too far. And I think probably assuming that she represents everything wrong with the left, maybe going a little bit too far. But I can still see the argument um, because she was so strong headed about I don't have kids. I don't have a husband. And this is my life. And this is why it's so great. Uh, you know, probably a better way to frame her argument. But 
yeah, probably a little bit of undue judgment um, on the parts of people like you mentioned, Matt Walsh and others. Right. Well, I also think as well that it would be worse to me if she were a 29-year-old influencer who had two kids and a husband and was sitting on TikTok making stupid videos because there are plenty of them out there that are doing that. So I find that actually more annoying when mom bloggers ignore their kids except for to use them for content. So I actually find that more annoying than someone that's like, hey, listen, I danced all night, I drank all night, I don't have kids, I don't have a husband, and I'm living in life. I actually would prefer that. What do you think? Yeah. And I actually, you know, to take it a step further, how about the parents that are essentially forcing their kids to undergo gender reassignments uh, so that they can then post them on their social media and get all the credit and, you know, all of the, you know, applause from all of their stupid friends who are saying, oh my gosh, you're so brave and courageous. Like that sickens me to the like utmost end. Uh, yes. So I'm totally with you at least. She is just attending a Beyonce concert. At least she's just making shakshuka. She's just doing her thing. She's not trying to be anyone she's not uh, because some of the parents, like you mentioned, uh, are, are solely out there trying to get clout from the internet and using their kids as pawns to do it. So listen, live your life, shakshuka girl. I have no problem with it, but um, hopefully one day you settle down, you find the husband, you have some kids and everybody's happy. There we go. Well, Charlie, uh, I'm very excited for you. You've been a part of our Outkick family for several months at this point, but finally the opportunity for your morning show. So tell me what you've got coming up this week. Yeah, so the show launches tomorrow, which is September 7th, Thursday. And um, already we've got like a really fun show planned for everybody. It starts at 8 a.m. East Coast time. So bright and early, everyone, we're getting your day started. Um, I'm going to be my big topic that I'm going to be touching on tomorrow, which a little bit of the uh, a contrast to what we were just talking about right now is toxic masculinity. This has been something that I've been really big on uh, for a while now. I really just think that the concept of toxic masculinity is is pretty silly. I think most people don't even know what it means and don't know why that they believe in it. And it's not used for the most extreme cases, but rather the most trivial of cases to describe men. Um, so delving into that uh, concept, I actually, Tommy, I... I don't know why I didn't learn my lesson last time, but I went back to Washington Square Park and I talked to people in the park about toxic masculinity. So I got their thoughts. And then finally, Dana White, UFC president, going to be coming on the show to help me also delve into the same topic and just talk about a whole bunch of different other things as, you know, he's one of the most outspoken men in the sports industry and the most anti-woke person you probably are ever going to meet, at least publicly. So, um, well, other than yourself. <laughs> and a few others that I know. But uh, yes, he's great. So uh, he'll be on the show as well. So it'll be a fun one. Well, it sounds like a great lineup for day one. Congratulations to you. And everyone will watch you tomorrow at 8 a.m. Eastern, of course, on Outkick.com and all the social media. Charlie, good to see you as always. And keep holding down the fort in liberal New York City. Oh, will do. Thank you so much. <laughs> All right. So let's be clear. If the leftists were really so concerned about a new variant or COVID pandemic 2.0, that southern border wouldn't be the wide the hell open. But it's time for final thoughts. The numbers are in. 10 million illegal immigrants have invaded this country since Biden took office. To put that in perspective for you, the population of New York City is less than 8.5 million. So yes, an entire New York City plus a million and a half have been ushered in to tap dance on our national sovereignty and bleed us dry. 
The left will tell you these millions of people are frail women and children seeking asylum, but <laughs> that's bullcrap. If even a tenth of these people are military-age males, well, that's already more than the entire U.S. active-duty military. So there's that. But it turns out blue cities and states aren't loving their tiny little share of illegals either. The state of Massachusetts will soon deploy 250 National Guardsmen to emergency shelter sites and hotels across the state to help with the crisis. Important to note that Massachusetts only has about 6,000 illegals in their care at this point. A drop inside a drop inside a drop in the bucket. I also find it very interesting that states like Massachusetts are calling in the National Guard to essentially babysit illegal immigrants when those same guardsmen and women could have been sent to the actual border to prevent illegal migrants from crossing through illegally in the first place. Every move these migrants make costs us money, money that doesn't come easy in Biden's America and money that would be better spent improving our own nation for the people in it who pay into it, who came into it the right way. Families and survivors of those who burned alive in Maui got 700 bucks. That's a two-night hotel stay for these illegal immigrants in New York City, maybe less. But it's not the elites who will absorb this burden. It'll be already underserved communities and school systems that will get the brunt of this. So work harder, Americans. You've got an entire world to support. You think inner city education is lacking now? Well, wait till millions of illegal immigrants who don't speak English pack into the classrooms. This is a Democrat and Republican-made disaster. Democrats want the votes, and Republicans with corporate interests want the cheap labor. But I can't blame these migrants for coming in, for striking while the iron is hot. Hell, I probably would too. But this has to stop. This is a sinking ship, and we're all on it. PSA, America is full. Those are my final thoughts from Nashville. God bless. Take care.